This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So you've got a deer on the ground, you've cheered, you've taken pictures, and now it's time to get to work. On this episode, I'm going to talk about the knives and tools that you need to field dress that deer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we're talking about the tools that you need to field dress a deer. Now, what we're going to talk about today, this applies to white-tailed deer, black-tailed deer, mule deer, elk even. The exact same tools are going to do the job in the same way Uh, every time. Now this process, what I'm about to describe to you guys tool-wise, has taken me years to sort of hone and, and, and just get to the point where I feel like this is the most efficient, the easiest, the best way, least room for error, and least number of tools, tell you the truth. There's a lot of stuff out there you can buy. You can buy knife kits. You can buy pulling kits to, to pull out the, the guts and the rectum and all kinds of things. There's all sorts of tools that you, you can get that are available. You'll find people doing videos on how to use them and all those things. But do you need those tools? I'll be honest with you. I think most of them actually make the job more difficult or cause issues or are value neutral. And, and meaning, you know, that way works just as well, but it's no better. And then you've got more tools to clean at the end. So I'm a bit of a minimalist. And I think the minimalist approach is good because it's cheap and easy for new hunters or any hunters to, to get a hold of. So let's go ahead and, and jump right into it. What do you need to field dress a deer? Well, number one, single most important thing, if you have nothing else... You must have this, and that is a sharp knife. You gotta have a sharp knife. 
You can get by with nothing else but a sharp knife. If you forget everything, if you have nothing else, you can do the job with nothing but a sharp knife. Absolutely. Going to talk about a couple things here momentarily that I think definitely help you and are worth having and are worth the price and the weight they add to your pack. But a sharp knife alone will do the job. Now, what kind of knife do you need? Well, I like a folding knife of some kind. The kind doesn't really matter. The length of the knife, in my opinion, ought to be a little wider maybe than the palm of your hand. Okay, same width as the palm of your hand will work. I think a little wider is better. A lot longer, I think, can be problematic. You know, it's not necessarily a good idea to grab an 8-inch kitchen knife or a 10-inch kitchen knife because that's actually going to get in the way uh, of you getting inside that animal and that can make some things more difficult. But, you know, width of the palm of your hand is good. A little longer, maybe even better. A lot longer is too long. Now, I learned from Chef Albert Woosh, who was a uh, chief culinary instructor at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania for something like 30 years, avid game hunter, has written cookbooks on how to cook game and done video courses on how to break down game. When he goes elk hunting, and of course elk are much larger than deer, when he goes elk hunting, he takes with him this little tiny knife that's about two and a half inches long. That's it. He takes no other tools to field dress and then fully butcher an elk except for that little knife. And that's to do the entire job to quarter the animal, to get it back to the truck, and then to just completely break it down and the steaks and cuts and everything else while he's waiting for his other buddies out in the field to try to get their elk. So... You know, the, the idea that you need some kind of giant knife and all these tools is, is something that has been, you know, added to the hunting ethos just via marketing of companies who've come up with things to try to sell them. Not everything's bad. Some things are helpful. Maybe some extra things are good for you. But a little knife that's sharp is the only piece of gear that's a must-have. Now, sharp is sharp. It needs to be sharp. If it's not sharp, sharpen it. If you can't sharpen it, buy a sharp one. In terms of what kinds of knife should you use? I've asked this question on more than one occasion, both to Chef Woosh and to others, and the answer that I get every time is the best brand of knife is a sharp knife. Brand, whatever brand doesn't guarantee it's going to be sharp and doesn't guarantee it's going to stay sharp. You've got to make sure you've got a sharp knife. So either learn how to sharpen knives or make sure it's sharp when you buy it. I personally, uh, several years back, was looking for a good hunting knife. I mean a good one. And I was at a gun show and talking to a bunch of knife guys that were selling knives. And I got talked into buying a Benchmade uh, folding knife. Just their regular you know, run-of-the-mill, entry-level folding knife. It was a hundred bucks at the time, and you know, I don't know how long it is. It's a little longer than the little longer than the width of my hand. And that little knife has gone through, I think, seven deer, and it is just as sharp today as it was the day that I bought it. It's hardened steel. It is perfectly ground and beveled. And that little sucker will just break through bone, cut through anything, and is still razor sharp. Now, you don't need to buy a $100 knife. 
In fact, I recommend that you don't to get started. A $15 or a $20 knife can certainly do the job. You just need to realize the difference between a really expensive knife and a cheap knife is the expensive knife should dull slower. It should hold its edge longer and through more wear and tear. So, you know, if you can get good at sharpening a knife, you can make that $20 knife or that $15 knife do all the same work forever that that more expensive knife will be. Now, also, the more expensive knife should have a stronger action so that if you're, you know, pulling up through the breastbone or breastbone, if you're pulling up through the ribs or through the sternum to cut through there so you can get into to the uh, the upper chest area and clean out the guts and cut the windpipe, assuming you're not mounting the head. You know, a, a, a good knife ought to just, you know, ought to hold together perfectly, ought to be strong and secure. A super cheap knife, you know, that might be a test of that knife's strength, whether or not it can do that or not. But you don't have to do that. That's my preferred approach, just because I think it's easier and more efficient. But that's only if you're not going to mount the head. And of course, you don't have to do it that way. You could get by with a super cheap, super weak knife and just sort of uh, get up to the, to the ribs and then just put go in under the ribs and pull everything out and cut everything out and all of that. So, you know, a good knife is a sharp knife. The difference between a cheap knife and an expensive knife is the expensive knife should hold the same razor sharp edge longer and the mechanism for putting, you know, like upward pressure and momentum and stress on that blade ought to be a little stronger. So that's what you're getting when you're paying more. Is it worth paying more? If this is your first hunting season, no, it's not worth paying more. If it's your second hunting season, no, it's still probably not worth paying more. You probably have other pieces of gear that would make a bigger difference than investing more money in a knife. Now, once you get to the point where you've been hunting for three, four, five years, you've probably got all the basic gear. You probably have pretty good stuff for whatever environment you're hunting in. At that point, I think, yeah, a nice knife upgrade, you know, could be good. Now, when I say a nice knife upgrade, I'm talking like the hunt, like the eighty to hundred and twenty dollar range. You could easily spend a thousand dollars on a knife if you like knives and that's your thing. Hey, go for it. For new hunters, that's crazy. That $1,000 knife won't do anything more than the $20 knife will do. It'll just hold that edge longer. It'll give you a little bit more strength if you're going to do serious abuse to it. And, you know, that's, that's it. Maybe it looks prettier, but pretty doesn't do anything. So you want a knife. Good, sharp knife. That's number one. And if you have nothing else, you can make do with that knife. Second piece of gear that you want. Gloves. I like to get these deer dressing game cleaning gloves. They usually come in a set where you get like three pairs. And what you're getting in that set is you're getting three pairs of these plastic gloves. They're usually like a, uh, an orange plastic or a green plastic or something. And they go from the tips of your fingers all the way up to your shoulders. And they have a little elastic band on the end to hold them tight. So that's going to go over your sleeves, over your jacket, over your hoodie, over whatever you're wearing. Keep your arms all the way up to your shoulders clean, which is great if you got to reach in there and really work on pulling some stuff out. In addition to that, they're going to come with a little 
uh, plastic or rubber glove that goes over top of the fingers in your hand. Because those plastic gloves, they're not, you're not real articulate around the fingers. I mean, they're super cheap. So you need something that's going to hold your hand a little firmer, like a nice nitrile glove or a latex glove or something. And that's going to go right over top and give you two layers of protection in case you, you know, you cut through your gloves, it'll still keep your hands clean. Now, you know, some people think, oh, well, you're a wimp and a wuss if you use gloves. Hey, think whatever you want. I don't care. I don't need to have my arms and my coat and my hoodie and everything else be bloody and dirty and stinky in my car when I drive home or even in the trunk. And then I got to wash them with their own separate load and go through all that hassle. For the $6 that I pay for three sets of gloves, which might last me three years if I get a deer all three years, that's that's the best six bucks I could ever spend because it just makes things so much cleaner. It's not the gross factor that I care about. It's just keeping everything clean and not being just covered in blood and having to wash my hands at the gas station before I get to the butcher or then you know what well, your steering wheel then is all gunked up and now forget it. It's there's no reason whatsoever to go through all that. They weigh nothing. I usually keep three pairs of them in my hunting bag, in a, it's like in a Ziploc bag with all the air sucked out. And then, you know, it weighs nothing. You don't even know it's in there. And then you drop a deer and boom, you've got, you got three pairs if you need to. Now, what I like to do is go somewhere like um, Harbor Freight or somewhere like that. And they got really thick nitrile gloves, like seven millimeter, even 10 millimeter nitrile gloves. And I will get those and put those over my hands, over top of the the shoulder length plastic gloves. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So they're really thick, you know, almost impossible to cut through. I actually stabbed my glove the last time I was dressing a deer um, just a few weeks before I recorded this episode. And knife still didn't go through. Razor sharp knife cut through that deer like nothing. Still did not go through those gloves. And of course, I've done episodes in the past on how to field dress a deer and point you guys to, to videos in, in those in that episode. So go back, look at that if that's what you're looking for. This episode is about the gear to get that done. Okay, so you've got a sharp knife. You've got the special plastic gloves that go from your fingertip to your shoulder. And then you got the latex gloves or nitrile gloves that go over your hands. And that's going to just keep everything tight so your fingers can be nimble and you got that extra layer of protection. What else do you need next? Next, you need zip ties. 
I like to take two zip ties. I use one zip tie to put through the tag and then zip tie the tag to the ear of the deer. I find that to be way easier than trying to cut a hole through the deer's ear and fish a string through that and tie the string and hope it doesn't come out. I just take a zip tie, put it right through the license. It has two little loops in it. And then just right around the deer's ear at the base, crank it tight. That thing has never once come off if I've gotten a good crank on it. Whereas I've had string untie, pull through, and then you're you're trying to tie a string through a bleeding animal. It's just not worth it. The zip tie is so easy. So one zip tie for the license, and then one zip tie for the base of, of the rectum. So what you're going to do when you field dress a deer... I'm going to put two gloves, two nitrile gloves on my left hand. Okay, two gloves on my left hand. In my right hand, I've got the knife. So I'm going to grab hold of of the rear end where the pellets come out. And I'm going to cut all the way around that with the knife. Okay, all the way around that to get that freed up so that when I pull the guts out, it just sucks right through the body, comes out the through the abdomen you don't have to do anything else. So I'm going to cut all around that. Again, that's in the videos for the How to Field Dress a Deer episode. And then what I'm going to do is once I get it all cut out and loosened up, I'm going to take off that outer glove. Like I'm going to just grab hold of it. I'm going to, with my other hand, pull that outer glove out over to act like a cap, like a plastic cap or cover on the rear end of the animal. And then I'm going to take that second zip tie and I'm going to crank that tight. So what you got is the poop chute that is cut out and freed with a, a glove zip tied over top of it so that when you do pull it through the body, you've got no pellets or anything else getting in the body and you don't want deer droppings inside of the carcass that can mess up your meat. So one extra glove and a zip tie does that better. You could use a couple gum bands. I've done that. That works good too. The zip tie, if you get a good crank on it, is going to be the strongest thing you can do over that glove. So then, what do you need after that? So we've got a knife, shoulder gloves, two sets of hand gloves, zip ties. You need a pen. Because you need a pen to fill out your license and put all that together. What else you need after a pen? You need a zip bag. The zip bag is what you put the gloves and stuff in, and even your knife after you're done field dressing the deer, you can toss that in the car, keep everything clean when you get home. You take your knife out to wash it. Then you just keep the zip bag sealed up and just throw it away. And that's it. You're completely clean. You don't have any cross-contamination. If there were any, you know, bacteria, disease, whatever in that animal, you don't have to worry about it because everything is clean or as clean as reasonably can be expected from this point in time. What else do you need? That's it. That is the full breadth of my recommended field dressing gear. Now, there's a lot of other things, okay? A lot of things. And I'm going to talk about some of them that you don't need. Could you use them? Sure. Might they be helpful? Could be, if you prefer to do certain things certain ways. One of the big things that people take is a, a like a little saw knife, or a bone saw, or just some kind of little hand saw or something, and they will try to cut down through that bone um, right between the legs and cut through that leg so then they can pull the legs apart and just, just break them apart 
and then they can pull pull the guts out and pull the the rectum out and everything just straight out of the deer. I do not do that. I used to do that. And then after talking to various chefs and butchers, I decided to stop doing that because here's what happens. You cut down through the middle of that animal, you know, right there at at, at the base between the, the rear legs, and you break that bone. And what you've done in cutting through there is you have cut into the choicest meat on the animal, those big hams on the legs. You've cut right through into the middle of those, well, into the side of those. You've exposed all that meat now to air, to bacteria, to whatever guts and stuff you're pulling out of the animal. And then oftentimes the butcher's got to shave an inch off of those roasts. Well, an inch off of those roasts is could be half the roast, depending on how much you mess this thing up. So you've gone through all this extra work to saw through a bone, to break a bone, and then you've wasted some of your meat or, or risked wasting some of your meat or a lot of your meat in that case. And now you got to have this bone saw thing with you, this saw knife or saw tooth knife or something like that to cut through that. And it takes all this extra time and all this extra energy. And uh, all the butchers that I've talked to have said, listen, don't do that. Do not do it. And then when you go, when they hang the deer for a couple days in order to tenderize and, and improve the flavor, you know, whatever meat is exposed to air, which is now all that meat from the choicest uh, roasts of the legs, all that meat now is going to lose moisture. So you're going to have even more loss and you've got risk for contamination. Maybe you got some of the guts or some of the droppings or God forbid it was a gut shot. Or you got some, you know, some pellets in there. Or who knows whatever else spilled in there. So now you have even more loss. They said, listen, if you get that deer down and you recover it quickly and you can get it in here into a, in a reasonable amount of time, it doesn't matter how hot it is outside, you're not going to have spoilage. All right. The reason why people like to break through that bone and cut through and saw through it and break that apart and get those hams separated is because one, to them it makes it a little easier to gut it, and two, to help it cool down faster and, and reduce the risk of spoilage. And what they've told me is, unless you're going to be out in moderate to high heat for long periods of time, you're actually going to have higher risk <clears throat> for bacterial contamination, spoilage, loss of meat, uh, dry out from hanging, and so on, if you cut through that bone and expose that meat to the air. Now, if you want to drive around town and show all your buddies this big buck that you took, you know, and spend half the day out with the animal in your pickup truck, well then, you know, you could run into problems from not letting the animal cool down quick enough. And you probably do want to do that. But you should never, ever, ever do that. Because then though you're risking the entire animal having bacteria and more spoilage and everything. The best thing you can do to have the best tasting meat, the most quality meat, the most tender meat, the least gaminess, is get that animal down, get that animal field dressed as quick as you possibly can, get that animal in your vehicle and to the butcher, into refrigeration as fast as you can. You know, I know people, they say, well, you should sit in your stand and wait for two or three hours after you shoot the deer just to make sure it's dead. Well, if it's a bad shot 
and you see it just run and run and run away and into the distance and into the woods, well, maybe you do need to wait a little while. But if it's a good double lung shot and you got blood everywhere and you know this deer is down, you know, you do not need to wait more than 20, 30 minutes. That's plenty of time. I have watched a deer expire from a double lung shot and usually within two or three minutes, you know, much of the time that animal's done. It's 100% as done as it could be. Even if it ran 100 yards, it is still, it often hits the ground unconscious, right? So if it's a good shot and you know it's a good shot, you don't need to wait for hours, especially if it's warm outside. You know, if it's 15 degrees out, you know, all the risk factors diminish drastically. But if it's 50, 60, 70 degrees in the early season, and you know it's a good shot, you know, 15, 20 minutes is usually enough to start tracking that deer. Now, you always want to go out with another arrow or, or with another round with your rifle in case, you know, it wasn't a good shot. You just thought it was, and that animal is still alive, and you need to take another shot to put it down. But, you know, I'm a proponent of get that deer, recover it, field dress it, get it out of the woods and get it to the butcher as quickly as you can to have the best quality meat that you can have. And if you do that, you don't need a bone saw. You don't need to break apart anything. You cut around all around the anus so that it's free. You put that glove over it. You split that deer open. You get in there. You, you know, you split it right up to the neck. Just cut the windpipe. Pull, start pulling everything out. Use your knife to cut all the membranes that's holding the guts in. Pull it all out. Turn that deer upside down to drain anything that's left. You know, the rectum pulls right out of the body cavity. You'll know you've got it because you see your bright blue or bright green glove that's been zip-tied to the end of it. So once you see that, you know you got it out, right? You're, you're perfectly, you're good to go to the next thing. So, you know, when you're in that kind of scenario... You, there's no need to do all those other things that take all this time to create more tools, more work, more things you got to clean, more things you got to buy. A lot of people like these butt plug things that looks like some sort of medieval torture device. It's like an orange piece of plastic with like barbs on the end. And you're supposed to jam it into the rectum, twist it, loosens everything up, and then you can pull it out or do whatever. I don't know. I'm not a fan of those. Did they work? By all accounts, they work, but it's another piece of gear. It's another thing to clean. And it's, you know, all you need is a knife and a glove and a zip tie. And I believe you have a much better chance of getting 100% of everything out without contamination. It's not just easier, but it lowers the chance of contamination. You don't risk cutting or tearing anything that's going to let bad stuff seep into the body. It's much easier situation. So I am 100% in favor of that method each and every single time. Now, there are more things you can buy. I've seen, you know, knife kits with three and four knives and then some game shears as well as a bone saw, like his whole little chef knife kit for field dressing a deer. And guys, that's just not necessary. It's just not necessary for the average run-of-the-mill hunter who's trying to field dress their deer and get it to the butcher all you need is one small to medium-sized sharp knife. Now, why don't you want a bigger knife, like a, a kitchen fillet knife? Because you're getting inside of the body cavity to cut membrane in order to pull out the lungs, 
and the heart and the liver and the intestines and all that, you're cutting around it to free up the membrane. You do not want a long knife because it makes it much harder to maneuver in those tight quarters. Makes it much harder to maneuver. Makes it much more difficult to try to get the membrane and not accidentally cut into the guts or cut into something else that's then going to cause a mess. You want to be slow, methodical, and precise. You know, your energy, your adrenaline's pumping. You need to slow down. Slow, methodical, precise. Doesn't matter if you've ever done it before. Doesn't matter if you're any good at it. If you are slow, methodical, and precise, you will not make as many mistakes and you have a much lower chance of causing a problem. This thing doesn't need to be neat and beautiful, but you don't want to cut things like the guts or your fingers, which is a big thing that you don't need to cut, right? And a bigger knife, you're, you got you know maybe two hands in there trying to maneuver things around and pull guts out with one hand and cut membrane with another hand. And if the knife is too long and the space is too short, a lot of people have cut their fingers. I didn't say they cut them off, though it's happened, but you could easily poke yourself or cut yourself. And then if there is any sort of, you know, bacteria, disease, whatever, now you've opened yourself up to additional risk beyond, you know, the, the, the regular risk factors. So small, sharp knife is all you need. Beyond that, I've seen all kinds of things, game bags and now, if you're packing out a deer, which most new hunters are not doing, if you're packing out a deer, then yeah, you're going to want some meat bags. You're going to need some kind of a pack that you can load all this into. But I think that is outside the scope of what the majority of new deer hunters or even just the majority of deer hunters, period, are doing. Now, some people would say, well, no, you need more knives and bigger knives and sharper knives and all kinds of knife stuff if you're going to quarter it out in order to pack out the animal. Well, Chef Albert Woosh, who has been a lifelong elk hunter, uh, says, no, you only need a two and a half inch knife and you can take that animal down. There's not one thing on a deer or an elk or a moose for that matter that can't be cut with a knife. Every joint, you can take that joint apart with a knife, cutting around it, cutting the tendons, cutting the ligaments. You do not need to cut through bone. And a small, sharp knife will remove everything. And, and for some, you need to just, with your hand, you break that joint once you've cut everything around it. You don't need anything bigger than that. According to a chef who has been hunting elk and cooking them for 30 years, who only takes a two and a half inch knife into the woods, and if it'll work on an, an elk, it'll certainly work on a deer. In fact, the front legs on a deer are held on by almost nothing, it seems. I mean, it, 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 there's not even any joints, really. It's just all all muscles and, and, you know, tendons that are really easy to, you could take the front legs off a deer effortlessly. The rear legs take just a little bit more work, but it's still no huge deal. So that is all you really need most of the time. Now, if you're trying to take off the back straps, um, you know, I could see maybe a fillet knife could be helpful there, but usually you're not doing that in the field. That's not field dressing, that's processing. All right, so once you get it out of the field and you get it skinned, if you're going to do it yourself, then you're going to have all the knives and all the tools you would normally have to do that. But rarely people doing that in the field, that's part of the butchering process. That happens at home, at the butchers, or wherever you're going. 
So guys, I really hope this episode is helpful. Please head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes and all the other episodes on deer hunting and every other kind of hunting. Every type of hunting is organized by category under the hunting category section. And then in each 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 kind of hunting. So for deer hunting, there's like something like a dozen categories. So you can find whatever kinds of content you're looking for, whatever you're interested in, whatever you want to learn more about is organized neatly for you. And it's all right there. And please head to iTunes and leave us a review. Nothing helps the show reach more people than five-star reviews with comments on iTunes. Impacts the algorithm and helps it rank higher in search. So really appreciate you guys. God bless you. Hit subscribe. Till next time, go get them in the woods.